Uh, hey, Dan. How's it going? Uh, Rob, my man, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, it's just another, another, another day in the life, right? <laughs> oh, tell me about it, man. I had work. I, I got my boss is fucking riding my ass about some fucking paperwork that I have to get done. You know, it's bullshit. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's paperwork. Ah! Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I really like about this podcast is that there's very little paperwork involved in it, you know? Oh, fuck. Couldn't agree more. The fact that we've gone digital with uh, all of our, you know, sort of record keeping and what have you, it's not only is it m- more efficient, but like, you know, I can feel good about that. It, it matters to me that we're v- keeping our carbon footprint relatively low. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all about reducing carbon emissions on a personal level. I feel like the two of us could probably solve this whole climate change thing with our little stupid podcast. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think when you and I put our heads together, there's very little we can't do. But that might be a mission for another time, because I think right around now... We got a show to do, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? Ah, no, you're absolutely right. We should, uh, uh, we should definitely get the show underway. Um, I'm coming. Well, all right then. This week on King Me. This is Timekeepers of Eternity. King me. Welcome to King Me, the official Stephen King movie podcast, the official podcast of King Me, the official podcast of keeping time for all eternity. <laughs> the official podcast of uh, you know, getting your fucking rocks off by tearing some paper up. That's right. It's, it's the official podcast, dare I say, of reimagining a, a largely forgotten mm. Mm-hmm. miniseries oh, from yeah. 1995 or some some such yep 95 yep uh this week if if that title doesn't sound familiar but miniseries from 1995 does well your hunch is correct Man, what the hell are we talking about here <laughs> the timekeepers of eternity mm. mm-hmm. well this is a little independent style production a little little minor production bit of that art house stuff some of that smart guy egghead mm-hmm. Material. Which is perfect for our show, obviously. Oh, yeah. This fits uh, right yeah. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
we've got a bit of a highbrow sort of. Yeah, we're a couple eggheads over here. Yeah, we're Fraser and Niles, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this a '93 Bordeaux? <laughs> is this a '95 miniseries? <laughs> <laughs> so, Timekeepers of Eternity. Yes. Just lay the groundwork real quick. Is a an edit, a reproduction of the Langoliers. Yes. <laughs> um, reproduced on printer paper. Yep. <laughs> in, in black and white. In black and white. Um, as a, and it's a collage. As a collage, really. Yeah, it's like a it's a feature length flip book, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's been trunk, <clears throat> excuse me, truncated to an hour, mm-hmm. and it focuses a lot more on Craig Toomey. Yes. Um, which I'll say right off the bat, I think I cannot tell you just like how far, like just leaps and bounds better I find this. Oh yeah, the original miniseries. I will say also. This does make me want to one revisit the miniseries, uh-huh. and two read the novella Ooh. because, like, okay, I think I think this puts a lot of things thematically more into focus. Like when you foreground Craig Toomey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say that, uh, well, Rob and I, we got a little, we got a little humble pie to eat. Oh yeah. Give me so, a, a big old slice of humble pie. What are, I do. So independent. <laughs> <laughs> um, independently of each other. Yeah. We, in preparation for this episode, without discussing it, I think probably both thought to ourselves, I should rewatch the miniseries. No time. <laughs> Just going to listen back to the episode of King Me, the official Stephen King movie podcast. Right. That talked about the Langoliers. Yes. Um, now. Yeah, we both, right, we didn't talk about it. We just independently did it on our own because I, we're kind of a hive mind now. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some Sometimes I say 7.1 stars, you say 7.2. <laughs> but that's, otherwise we're in, we're a, we're a bit of a two-man Borg. Right. Um. In listening back to the episode, which incidentally was the first episode we recorded after the election of uh, former President Donald John Trump, which I <laughs> when when we when, you know, in preparation for this, I was I knew that I wanted to listen back to it. And I remember I remember distinctly that that was the episode that, you know, was immediately after yeah, something happened in November of 2016. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember it specifically because you were so despondent throughout. Like, you were there. Like, uh, you know, I listened to the episode. You weren't, like, you know, uh, like, uh, whatever, sandbagging it or anything. Yeah. You were there. But, like, I just remember you being, like, really, really upset. Rightfully so, of course. But, yeah. I choose. I choose to believe that is why... I was so annoying and unfunny <laughs> that whole episode and not just because that's who I am. Yeah. Uh, man, listening back to yourself speak, um, you know, th- that was in 2016, seven years have passed 
and I like to think we've grown a bit from there. Uh, I also, I, yeah, oh, I have a beard now. You have a mustache. I do. Yeah, my hair's going away. <laughs> My hair is just coming in. Your hair is just coming in. Yeah, you're you're uh, catching a second wind metabolically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is cool. No, it is cool. Uh, yeah, once you hit forty, uh, that second uh, puberty kicks mm. in. <laughs> Tuberty. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. Listening back to uh, us talk about it, uh, uh, we were talking before we start recording here, uh, which we have to start recording earlier we really have to start recording earlier yeah. wow i guess we haven't changed eh? Yeah. <laughs> i just uh man uh, i wanted to give us a, a bad review on iTunes. yeah yeah so yeah first first off i unfortunately we know for a fact none of these people are listening anymore yeah, probably. But not. we do yeah. want to apologize for everyone we badmouthed who said, "Uh, they're too negative." Yeah, they, uh, they all they do is shit talk famous author Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I was like, in my mind, I was like, that was twenty hmm, percent of the show, maybe. Yeah, not ninety five percent of the show. Ninety five percent of the show. So much of it is just like. I, again, I'm saying like I'm sure I'm gonna listen back to this in seven years. Sure. Uh, <laughs> after I've killed and killed a man and stolen his gasoline to power my generator, <laughs> right? So that we have enough energy to record the the next episode of King Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the future, in the this uh, wasteland that we're gonna be living in, uh, people will still need podcasts to listen to. I'm sure. That's right. I'm sure. Rogan is still going to fucking be pumping yeah, his shit for out. For sure. Yeah. So after, you know, you know, I'm on shore leave from the water wars. Mm. Um, of course, I guess at that point, everyone is because the whole damn world is the shore. Right. Yeah. It's water so, world, baby. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure listening back to this episode, I'll be like, wow, I, I was a piece of shit mm. at 30 uh-huh. Uh-huh. 30, <laughs> 32 also. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm making the case for that right now. But, mm-hmm. oh my God, all I wanted to do was find the dumbest shit to get upset about. Yeah. It, it felt kind of like watching one of those Cinema Sins videos. Yeah. And it's so funny because like, at, there was a point where I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy who picks the plot apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you proceed and to pick the plot apart. I, we both did. I 90, mean, yeah. For 90 minutes, yeah. And, like, I think we're right that the Langoliers is boring. It's extremely boring. It, You know what's funny? This, so the Timekeepers of Eternity, which we'll be talking about shortly, is a 62, a brisk 62 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Visually, very interesting with the collage and all that stuff. Uh, and the original Langoliers is a full three hours. And I got to tell you, I don't know what the other two hours of the movie consisted of. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what like, the fuck was going on in those two hours? My God. Well, based on how we were talking about it, it seems like it was a lot of Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Theorizing uh, about what was happening. And yeah. then when people were like, maybe you're right. He would just be like, no. <laughs> I'm wrong. I was that was a test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Dean Stockwell comes up with a theory. Somebody says, you're right. And he's like, no, don't just follow me. We have to <laughs> scientific uh, method, please. Yeah. Again, there's, they basically cut out, basically everyone is sort of reduced to their utilitarian roles, except for Toomey, right. which makes sense because he's a, like, this is, this is something we complained about first. Another thing I've noticed. Yeah. How we've grown, uh-huh. how we're actually better now. Yeah. We, the things we treated as like flaws, we have more context for now and sort of like understand yes. how it works. And one of the things we're complaining about, but now I think we just understand is a feature of certain kinds of King stories. Maybe this is just Stockholm syndrome. Maybe we're just, <laughs> we've, Stockwell syndrome. Yes. Uh, I got a bad case of Stockwell syndrome, but yeah. no, just like the sort of like cast of characters here. We were like, everyone is pretty good friends except for Toomey, who is a raging lunatic. Right. And it's like, you know, we had also just watched The Stand, too. So I don't know what we were like, how we weren't noticing this. But it's yeah. like very much that kind of dynamic where, you know, everyone's just like a good gang. And then there's one. There's one outlier one who's like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy's going to be a problem, isn't he? There's one yeah. weirdo. <laughs> He's one just- bad apple. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. I think just by and he's like he's also a very tragic figure. He's a bad guy, obviously. Right. But I think by I just think there's something more interesting about foregrounding the bad guy who's losing his mind more and more. Right. As he's trying to escape the life that made him such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He's trying to like do. Yeah. He's uh, trying to which blow I it think all up. The I, you know, after we've watched oh about a hundred Stephen King adaptations at this point, more, mm-hmm. more, yeah, and uh, it, you know, it like with the Toomey character, right? Like he is the villain of the the original Langoliers, right? Like he's the problem. He's gonna be, you know, stabbing people and doing. He's whatever. the problem. It's to me. It, it's, oh man, that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there there's like a sympathetic element to him, right? With like the abusive father and yeah. all this shit, right? Like I feel like you know, like you said, like having a little bit more context for all of this, um, it it sort of feels like. That's uh, that's sort of a running theme in King's work is like, you know, there'll be some guy like a, uh, you know, a Toomey or like in the Green Mile, you got a Poissy or, uh, yeah. uh, you know, even uh, the outsider, not the actual entity, the outsider, but the um, remember that like other cop guy who like, you know, yeah, the, his, like the familiar. His, yeah. Yeah. Like even he, he who is like a piece of shit is somewhat of a tragic figure. Right. And like, I think that's just like how you write a good villain. Like, right. The, I mean, yes. There ha- like a great villain. There's always like something relatable. Right. And that's what makes them so fearsome is like, you see yourself in it. Right. And for King, that relatability often takes the form of some kind of like tragedy or personal trauma or something. Yes. Um, 
The other thing I think this cut, if we're just going to call it that, yeah. this this rip. <laughs> uh, the other thing I think this does really well is limit the amount of screaming. It's not three hours of screaming. It's yeah. an hour tops. Yeah. It's I mean, just like, yeah. Yeah, right. In in the original, uh, Bronson Pinchot is like cranked up. You know, everything has to be like at the top of his lungs. Um, a lot of yelling in general. Um, and you're right. Like this, this edit of the movie sort of, it, it ramps up. Uh, the pacing, it, I mean, it's just paced yes. better. <laughs> like, yep. like, you know, I, so the Langoliers, the original miniseries, uh, I don't think is good. I think it is boring. And I also, uh, but I also really like it for that reason. <laughs> you yep. know, I think, uh, I, I just like the idea that they were, you know, they did the stand, whatever, a year or so earlier. And they're like, we we should do another mini series. We're going to do the Langoliers. Um, this is an abandoned uh, airport, and we're going to get eight actors. And you know, the budget is I don't know, like fifteen dollars. You know, it, it's like it's so small in scope. Yeah. You know, uh, which I just I really like that. I like the I like the bottle thing. I like when uh, you know we have a small group of characters stuck in a, at a place. You know, I agree. I and that is like, I mean that is the the sort of like challenge though. Again, with the everybody versus one guy dynamic is sure. like when you're in that bottle yeah. and you're you're not really playing around with this sort of concept of being trapped in a past that's disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's left? Cause like, there's not really a ton of character stuff you can do. Right. Uh, and again, this, this cut doesn't try to squeeze much character stuff out of anybody else. It's nah. just, uh, but yeah, that is like, and that is one of like, I think the more disappointing things about the Langoliers is like, it is this really heady concept and visually it leaves a lot to be desired. Not just because, just because like the setting is, you know, it has to be sort of like static and stagnant by design. Yeah. Um, but also just like, I mean, we've talked about it, the Langoliers, they look like meatballs with teeth, (laughs) the sort of like the plane flying through the, the Stargate or whatever the fuck, like yeah, the that, rip in space time, that, that vagina in space. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is especially a space vagina in timekeepers. Oh yeah. Eternity. Um, <laughs> but the, the medium and like the conceit, just like the fact that this is all told via sheets of paper that are being like sort of artfully crumpled and ripped and sort of it's intercutting shots on top of each other, like portions of shots that also means that they can stylize all the visual effects in a way that's like, I just think so much more interesting. And also it makes it more thematically relevant because the whole sort of, uh, I guess like inspiration behind this approach to telling this story is Toomey's paper thing, which yes. is why we were coming for three minutes at the top of the episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's so 
inventive. I don't know. Like for for this guy who uh, can you pronounce his name? Because I'm gonna guess yeah. that it's Aristotelis Maracos. You would you did a much better job than I would have. <laughs> uh, uh, so this this gentleman. Like for him to watch the language. This Greek fella. Yeah, this Greek fella. Uh, for or, him to watch. We don't know. Maybe he's from Mepos also. <laughs> it could be. He's related to uh, Balki. Yeah. Balki Butakamas. That's why he was drawn to this project, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, it's his cousin. He's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta help my cousin now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, for for him to watch the Langoliers, a three-hour miniseries, which is f- pretty boring, and it, for him to be like, I could make this better, or like, I have an idea of how to tell this story properly, or whatever, and it's through, you know, sheets of paper being, you know, uh, like a flipbook kind of thing, crumpling it up, like you said, like rips and tears and everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, very very imaginative for, of this guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is obviously, this is a little bit different than our normal sort of, uh, King episode, right? Like this is not, this was not out in theaters. This is, you know, essentially a fan edit, but it has gotten like some, uh, you know, some traction, a little buzz. Sure. Uh, got so. a write up in on, uh, blooding, bloody disgusting.com. Oh, wow. Sure. Some praise on Letterboxd. <laughs> what more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean, that's as, um, you know, you remade the, the Lang- you know, you re-edited the Langoliers. That's a, that's as good as you, it's going to get, you know, yeah. bloody disgusting <laughs> and Letterboxd. Yeah, but pretty much, yeah. Good job. And seven, <laughs> seven film festival screenings, roughly. Nice. But yeah, I mean, uh, this, this fella here, everything else he's done, I think what's interesting is like, Prior, there's a a seven or a six year gap in mm-hmm. directing credits for him between this and the prior thing. Yeah, I mean, so this this had to have taken so long. <laughs> cannot cannot imagine. Yeah. No. Oh, do Look, you do yeah. you know anything about how this was actually? Was it just like that, like camera from above? Is that that just photographed every? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, God. it's essentially like a, like you said, it's sort of like, a, it's a mix between a flip book and stop motion, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which, God, it's like stop motion is, it, it seems like just the hardest possible thing. <laughs> the hardest way to tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, a few, like a month or so ago, I watched the movie Mad God. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I really want to. It's, it's really, it's good. It's really good. There's no like, there's no, uh, say like plot or anything. It's just like sort of like this visual, uh, sort of art piece Feast. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it took that guy like fucking 30 years of like, he was working on it, you know, when he was working on bigger projects and stuff, but even so like stop motion, it, the movie was like an hour and a half hour 40 and it took him like 20 years or 30 right. years or something. <laughs> so God, could you imagine your job is stop motion animation? And then when you come home, uh, you, right. You're like, all right, <laughs> time to light the other end of the candle. <laughs> I got, hold on. I got a, 
uh, oh, Phil Tippett. I, I couldn't remember his name. Mm-hmm. So Phil Tippett is the director and writer of this, right? Um, I watched, so I watched Mad God on uh, Last Drive-In with Joe Bob, and Phil Tippett was on. He, he, you know, was there for an interview or whatever. And the guy just seems like the most misanthropic fuck everyone like i you know i mean i mean movie, how could you not be of course like, of course right and but like you're watching mad god and you're like this is this is from a man that does that hates uh everyone yeah <laughs> you know well it's like yeah i mean like you work in stop motion animation like yeah. what's your life what's your professional life experience been it's been trudging <laughs> right like, uh, just like doing the most is to get a just a live action movie made anything yeah like a fucking independent movie with two people in a room and that's hard to get made yeah just this grueling endless journey and you're beset on all sides by demons (laughs) it's it's yeah where did he ever come up with the idea yeah yeah. Like it does feel right. Cause that's kind of what it's about. It's just like a guy going through like an underworld, right? Yeah. It's essentially just a guy going. Yeah. It's like hell. It, mm. It's, it's a hellish scape. Yeah. It just, it feels a little autobiographical. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and just like, yeah, you work. God, you work so hard and no reward and uh, no reward. <laughs> But also, the journey is very beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, but it'd be nice to, like, I don't know, just... Make him a king? Yeah, I mean, like, at the end of a long marathon, you know, you, there are people cheering for you, you know? It would be yeah. nice for something yeah. like that to happen if in your life. <laughs> if you're going to finish the marathon and shit your pants at the finish line, <laughs> right. wouldn't it be nice to have someone cheer you on and maybe throw you a clean pair of pants? Exactly. <laughs> But no. No. <coughs> so this here Timekeepers of Eternity. Yes. Something we we kind of like mentioned it briefly a moment ago, but I think thematically, mm-hmm. right? Like if we want to, I mean, actually before that, like visually, is there anything that kind of stood out to you as uh, like something you particularly enjoyed? So, um, there, Yeah. I mean, there were a few things. So... I think, uh, you know, by shifting the focus, you know, more towards Toomey and his, like, uh, breaking psyche, uh, like, it, I, I just love the way that they, that he visually did that. Like, you, he would, you would see, like, Toomey, you know, whatever, and he, he would start getting the visions of his father and whatever, and his, like, the, when his head like cracks open and his father yeah. like sort of like like the the scene of his father yelling at him as a kid is there uh i i mean i thought that was that was great that was like brilliant totally. you know um, yeah and i i man i really really like the way that he did the actual langoliers themselves yeah i looks mean it's great yeah it looks it actually looks great <laughs> you know and uh, he basically, he just, uh, instead of showing the Langleyers from the original series, um, he took the, like, like if you took a frame of the, he like poked holes there and it was just like, just constantly moving, like, uh, ripped 
sh- uh, paper, like pointed, yeah. like the paper itself looked like teeth. And these it things was like, were, yeah, it wasn't, it maybe wasn't like concentric circles of like right. jagged paper, but kind of that effect. And they're all like turning constantly yes. and seeming to like get pulled in and right. The way that they move, it, it's not like anything that, you know, it's anybody it's, is aware of you yeah know, that any, and any other that's animal. a big part sorry that's a big part of why i want to read the book is because like i want to see if he nails it because yeah. that really seems like what's happening here is like it, they are this indescribable other world like other dimension yes uh, yeah interdimensional horror so it's like for them to just appear as meatballs you know it's like I get it. The there the limitations of ninety five CGI. Sure. And it and that's really not even the kind of thing you can do with like a puppet because yeah. it's like it that is actually kind of a step in the wrong direction for how um tactile a puppet is, right? Right. Oh yeah. So like that does that's like a rare instance. We're very I, I would say we're very pro puppets and practical effects on this show, yeah, but absolutely. Um Neither of those really works here, but yeah, the, the sort of like the, the way the, the way they look is just, yeah. Like you said, they look otherworldly. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're these interdimensional, uh, beings, entities, whatever. And to show them in the original series as just like meatballs with teeth, it's like this huge step down, right? You, you've watched, uh, at this point in the series, probably two and a half hours, and it's all ramping up and leading up to seeing the Langoliers. Yeah. And that's what they look like, and they look like shit. And you're like, well, this was awful. This was a terrible waste. And then yeah. in this, with the way that he designs them and the way that they move, and it, it, they seem otherworldly. They seem like, you know, they, it, it, those things in this, per, you know, edit uh look like they gobble up time totally if if that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) i mean it makes sense to me having seen it right but yeah no i mean i think like what you get from this approach yeah uh, like i you know obviously it's the langoliers even though this one's called the timekeepers of eternity, that's still a reference to the creatures themselves. That's one of Dean Stockwell's many killer lines. Yeah. Um, but I think just by like making the medium itself, mm-hmm. like the paper, such a part of the story, then you buy it more narratively when it starts disappearing right like yes there's there's something so like the fact that the langoliers are just a trick with cut up paper right it's basically they're they're the absence of space right that's what they are yeah that's how they're presented in this so when they are gobbling things up like it makes so much more sense because they're like it's they're like these little black holes or something just like sucking up everything and that too like yeah when they eat matter or whatever they eat time and like in the in the miniseries what's left in their wake is a 
a white void that's superimposed onto actual reality. Yes. Whereas this is pure subtraction. Yes. Right. And it looks fucking awesome. And there's something so much scarier about it. Yeah, man. Like not, not just, not just saying that I do think it is unnerving in a way that, that you just can't achieve through any kind of CGI because it's like, it's, it is just like, it conveys true nothingness in a way that that nothing else can. Yeah, it, you're right. Like it's the subtraction of all of all of these things, the absence of this. And when you see the like when the Langoliers are gobbling up the runway at the end, right when they're trying to leave, um, and then the, that piece, like the final piece, they take off, and then like the final piece, sort of like just falls into this like white void. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it, it looks you're like you said, like it looks scarier. It looks more tactile and real than, you know, in 1995 when they, you know, just had some sort of, you know, whatever yeah. shot of the runway superimposed over some, you know, white thing. And I don't know. It yeah. just, it well, looks, even if you, sorry, no, no, go on. Even if you, I think even if you do that practically and you take a giant slab of asphalt and drop it onto like some underlit, just like white, nothing, you know, just a big white field for it to fall on. Yeah. It still isn't going to look right because it's like, again, that's light playing off of, you know, matter. This. You know what it is? I think this version of the story has more of a dreamlike quality that really enhances it. Totally. Uh, like everybody, like especially from Toomey's perspective, which we are in his perspective quite a bit. Um, and the, you know, he's going insane over the course of this movie and the environment around him is reflecting that. And mm-hmm. as the viewer, you're watching it and you're kind of you you're it's almost like you're experiencing what he's experiencing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that horror and this like uh yeah, unknowable, awful fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think like, you know, granted the the quote unquote like present of the beginning of the very beginning of the movie yeah. is is presented with the same technique. It's not like, Oh yeah. It's not like a reverse wizard of Oz or anything. No, no. When they, you know, so, but I still think like the sort of the, first of all, the flicker, it's like the flickering, the stop motion quality and the degraded quality of doing this on just like fucking laser jet. Yes. (laughs) And doing it in black and white too. Like all of this gives you this sense of like, not just like the past, but like an untenable past. Like, yes, this is like, it's not as sharp as the present. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not as real. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, all, you know, the, all of the, uh, because there are moments too where um, you'll see. I'm thinking of one specifically where, like, Toomey, after, like, Toomey has this vision of his father yelling at him when he's in the airport, right? Uh, he goes to walk away, and they're like, he, it, Toomey is still standing there, sort of facing the camera, <clears throat> excuse me, and 
over his shoulder, uh, you see him walk away, like walk through yes. like a, a metal detector or something. And then the, the, the Toomey in the foreground turns and walks through the metal detector in the same way. So like the, the playing with uh, time in, in that way, where like, uh, not only are we in the past right now, but also like time is sort of like crumbling and uh, you know, it's not even like now in the past, there is no now, like it's yeah. all sort of jumbled up and like moving. Yeah. Independently. Yeah. And it complements things like toward the end when they start talking about how like time is, you know, like the days and nights are passing more yeah. quickly seemingly you just yeah you get this sense that it's all like collapsing in on itself because it, right. it literally is and it's like rumpling and um uh, there yeah the shots where there's one where um like early on in the movie where they're they're on the plane everybody's disappeared already and they're trying to figure out what's going on and um i i, I like that uh they also he credits them as like different uh, names than the original. So like you have captain angle, but then, uh, the British passenger instead of Nick Hopewell, I want to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Instead I of having a right. name, he's just the British passenger, uh, passenger. He's not a assassin, uh, which he is in the original, you know, he's yeah. just like, he seems like he may be like mi- military. He seems like a tough guy, but he's not a, an out and out assassin. Yeah. Um, which also like, in from you know from Toomey's perspective, a thing they harp on is like um, the idea that he not harp on something they mention <laughs> tastefully. <laughs> yep, is the idea that like he's like disgusted by all of them, like he doesn't see yeah. them as people. So if this is like being reframed more as his story, it it makes sense even just to sort of like within the like the sort of like the text itself just identify this guy as British passenger because that's all he would be right to do to do me anyway um also quick yeah, quick go ahead, go ahead. quick note about British passenger slash uh-huh. uh Nick Hopewell. Nick Hopewell I because I don't think we talked about in the old episode granted mm-hmm. I didn't listen the whole way through I got disgusted yeah I couldn't listen to the whole thing either <laughs> I just okay. skipped around a little bit Nick Hopewell yeah. is played by Mark mm. Lindsay Chapman. Uh-huh. He is also in the movie Chapter 27, where he plays John Lennon. What? <laughs> who was assassinated by Mark David Chapman. Wait, what? Yes. This, this is the one where Jared Leto get, got himself so fat he got gout. Oh, that. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah. So Jared, Jared Leto, Leto yeah. Leto as Mark David Chapman and Mark Lindsay Chapman as John Lennon. Wow. Isn't that weird? That's weird. JL as MDC and MLC as JD. Uh, wait, as no. JL. JL. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Weird. Very weird. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what yeah. that means. I probably absolutely nothing. <laughs> if I had to guess knowing what I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, like the crumpling of the paper too. When there's action on the screen, when uh, when uh, British passenger and David Morse are trying to get into the cockpit, and, and 
like break the door down or whatever. Mm-hmm. When they're pushing on the door, the the paper that it's printed on crumples in the like in a in a certain way yeah. that just looks it looks like he's pushing on like almost like the door is stretching yeah yeah as yeah. he's pushing on or like it it also kind of like that the the crumpled paper is used to almost like a comic book effect yeah right but really what it does it just like or there's like i don't know there's a shot where um Toomey Sr. is like screaming into Craig Toomey's ear. Yes. And as he's doing that, the paper crumples around his ear. So it's just like, it's used to mean a million different things, which is like, it's so interesting. It's just like, I I don't fully, I don't know what to make of it, but it's just like all these, it's basically just like anything sort of like kinetic and with life gets that treatment yeah. um, whether it's like physical or um, mental or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it, it also seems like every time, you know, everybody gets sort of like this, the, the, this sort of like crumpled paper sort of treatment and everybody, like there's also the thing where um, they have like characters in the scene together, but you know, one of them will have like this, uh, like torn paper outline around them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with with Toomey, especially, almost every shot with him, he he is like crumpling. Like, yeah, he's not doing it. He's just standing there. But he's constant. It like indicating that he's like constantly on this edge, and you know maybe he's dangerous or he's got like so much other shit going on in his head and he's trying to like hold it all together. Yeah. And it, it, the paper represents, you know, him just crumbling for sure. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I really, really liked it. <laughs> I, yeah, we were, we were very worried about not having anything to talk about. Yeah. I mean, uh, prior right. to watching it before we watched this, I was like, Oh man, did, did I make a, we make a mistake by like scheduling this. I'm like, fuck, like, is this just going to be like, you know, the Langoliers again, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's crazy how much this, uh, the way that he did this with the paper adds so much to the story. Um, yeah. And, and saves it <laughs> in so many ways. It just like, yes, the, the, all the dry, the like 95 TV um, shot composition and editing. Yeah. It's, it just, it does so much to propel the story. Cause a lot of the times the rips are used um, not just thematically, but as like transitions between shots yeah. even, yeah. or to, I, I think I said this earlier even, but to like overlay shots on, mm-hmm. on top of other ones. So like, if someone's talking, you're also getting like a reaction of someone listening. Yeah, it's it, almost like a it's like fucking speed racer or something. Yeah, it is you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there, there's one. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, there's one shot in particular where they're getting off the plane, and um, the character Dinah says to Laurel, like something doesn't like this place isn't right. Like 
you know, and Laurel is trying to like brush it off or whatever. And Dinah says something about her shoes not making like the right sound on the pavement, right? And then there's a shot of her like shoes, like her feet, and she's walking, and the the page is is torn like right, basically right at her feet, and then like the bottom, you know, third or so is uh, all sky and like clouds and shit. Yeah. Just adding more to the, uh, uh, un like how unreal this place is and how, you know, if you, if they were to like look under, if they could look under the, uh, runway, there would yeah. be nothing, you know, there's like, right. Yeah. 100%. It also, I think gives a sort of like, it's like a visual simile where, cause what she says is like, it, it's, it sounds weak. Yes. And it's like, as though you were walking well, on the sky. Right. right. And it's like, I mean, that's so cool. Cause if you had a character say that, like, fine, that's just, <laughs> you, you might actually, I mean, you'd probably be like, well, that's bad writing, but to, yes watch it it just adds this sort of like okay i like your brain fills in what the sound would be right uh, uh you know in movies it's show don't tell and the yeah it just shows more uh, yeah show twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> um when um uh when Toomey, i like when he stabs frankie phase on right he stabs him in the back and the shot it like from the front is like his chest is like sort of like tearing open and like whatever but you know he's being he's being attacked right mm-hmm. i don't know, like just the visualization of him uh like the attack itself and then the the paper tearing this man uh you know basically in half it's uh, very uh, uh very interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And it like I don't know. It it gives the the same kind of stakes of like it's like it's not it's almost like more than life or death. It's like existential like do you exist or right. or are you being torn in half? And yes. there's like there's a a drama to that. There's a thoughtfulness to that. It's, it's cool, man. It's cool. <laughs> it's very, uh, very cool. Yeah. The, when he, uh, when Toomey, uh, you know, they're about to, they're fueling up the plane. They're going to take off. And he's, you know, Dinah, uh, through telepathy tells him to like, you know, the board has come to the airport and they're going to, they're meeting you out on the runway. So he's running out there. There's there are these shots where like the page tears and it's like um, I feel like it, it reminds me of like some like a seventies like action show or something like Six Million Dollar Man where like it's like he's running across the uh, the runway and like every like frame every time like every two feet or so that he crosses in the screen like it, it that frame is frozen there. And then he continues, and then it freezes again. Yeah, so there's like, it's the the Seven Nation Army music video. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) You thought Million Dollar Man, you actually meant Seven Nation Army. I meant Seven Nation Army. (laughs) But yeah, it's like there's a trail of 
of trail of toomies locked in locked in pose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. And why shouldn't that be happening? Time is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, it's what? good. And also he's like, yeah. he is also detaching from reality. So like, yeah, all of this stuff is like, of course it's like nonlinear. He's having like a full mental breakdown. He's not, I'm sure not processing time or anything that way. What were you going to say? Yeah. No, uh, just like when he's talking to the board there, he's standing, uh, at the end of the table and he starts going into like, you know, I, I did it on purpose. Like I spent, you know, I, I, you know, whatever it was, $42 million on these junk bonds. I knew what I was doing. Right. And the whole time he's talking to him, um, there's like, uh, like this sort of V sort starts tearing in the screen. Right. Yeah. So like one of his, his like right arm then becomes like just frozen. It's just like right there while the rest of him is like still animated. And then his other arm just stays right there while the middle, like his head is animated. It just feels like again, time is like, uh, starting to seize up or whatever. And also like this guy is like you said, breaking from reality completely. And yeah. uh, Well in that, in that specific moment when he freezes up, it's like as he hears his father's voice in his head, like telling him to, you know, get his shit together, say yeah. it was an accident, like all that stuff. And there's a moment where he like takes his fist and like bangs the side of his head. Yeah. And as he does that and pulls his arms down, the V rips away completely <laughs> yes. and he's like fully animated <laughs> again. Yeah. And he that's when he's climbing on the table and getting in the, you know, the board members faces and being like, I did it all on purpose, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Just like uh, insulting them. I got to say. Yeah. Our, our, you know, we griped hard. And yeah. granted, we were we were worse then. But yeah, we were a couple of fucking dunces back then. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. Sorry. I, oh, I was gonna say something about dunces. Check out. <laughs> so you, by all means, go ahead. No, uh, part part of it when uh, when I was listening to that, right? So we recorded that within a week of the 2016 election, right? Mm, the um, Mango Mussolini. Yeah. But in November 2016, uh, like listening back to that, it almost seems quaint. The thing, you know, like, yeah. Oh, man, you got no. These fucking bozos on this podcast have no idea what's about to hit them. <laughs> I, there, I did have a sense of like, wow, uh, life must have been pretty good for me to have to invent things to get upset about, huh? <laughs> yep. But um, anyway, what I was going to say is like one of our big complaints and something I think I would maintain to be true. Yeah. Is the sort of like one note, constant screaming quality of Bronson Pinchot's performance. Yeah, sure. And in this edit, in this context, I think it's fucking great. Yeah. I think it makes it just makes more sense. And it just... It feels well, less the more like violent he becomes, like the more violent the 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 paper the screen is yeah. becoming. You know, yeah. there are more tears, there are more, you know, uh, shifts in time and space and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes his performance uh, make much more sense mm-hmm. for sure. 
Yeah. Cause it is, it's like a gigantic performance and no one else is really trying to be on, not that they should be on the same wavelength as him because like it makes sense in terms of him being like alienated from the rest of the of humanity. Right. Um, but just from like a, these people all exist in the same universe, you know, like these people belong, they're sharing a stage together. It just like, it's kind of hard to get down with. Like everyone else yeah. is so kind of boring and I would say boringly written. Yeah. Um, sure. If, but yeah, so, I think, like, yeah. Boringly written some, I mean, some of the people, uh, some of our like regular, not to me's, um, pretty bad actors. Um, yeah. The, the kid, uh, with the glasses, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. fucking Albert. Albert. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a little rough, huh? Yeah. A little rough. Um, the, uh, the girl, uh, who's just credited in, in this as, uh, Albert's girlfriend, which in the original, she is not, no. uh, she's just Bethany. Um, she really doesn't play much of a part in this at all. Cause I think in the original, she was just, she like had a drug thing going on. Yep. And yeah, that was about it. That was about it. Yeah. So they just sort of skipped over all of that. (laughs) Yeah. It really is like, um, everyone's personal problems sort of fall away. Yeah. Except for Toomey, who just, this environment just pushes him to his breaking point. Um, which is like fine enough. You know? (laughs) Sure. I think, um, like in the original, right? Everybody, there's enough time, uh, time, huh? <laughs> Timekeepers. Uh, no, there's. Enough I think time. you mean enough paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's enough time for them to. Uh, they could have developed the characters, but everybody in the original feels very like one note. Mm-hmm. Everybody has like one characteristic that they are, and like that's their deal the whole time, right? Yes. And in this. They they get rid of the uh, one dimensional aspect of the character, which feels like it e- it adds even more to these characters. Knowing less about them, totally, you get like it's only their interactions in the, these like certain situations, right? Like eating the uh, the bad sandwich and the flat beer or whatever, like all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it just it feels like they're more real these people than in the original where they they interacted more with each other yeah, yeah well i mean that kind of makes sense right it's like if there's only one thing to each character yeah the more you force that you know the more you double down on that one trait the more apparent it becomes that yes. there's there's not much going on there. Right. So, like, yeah, that totally makes sense, too. Um, unrelated. Yeah. But something I really liked. Uh-huh. Is the little girl's death scene? Uh-huh. Did you like? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> it's it's really it's good basically uh, as she's yeah. the effect is like as she's dying as she's getting closer to death 
um, you see the corners of the page of each frame start flipping more and more rapidly, almost like wind blowing through a book or something. Right. And then as she finally dies, uh, the scre- it's just blank paper. Right. It, it's as if like you're flipping a page in a book, and yes, the, the page that you're flipping to is just blank. Yeah. And it's right. When she dies, it just goes blank. And then uh, Laurel, like she like sort of hugs you know, she hugs the little girl and like kisses her or whatever, but you don't see her actually make contact. It just looks like she's like, you know, sort of leaning down over this like white negative space. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of the new ending? I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I really did like it. Um, so in the original, right. Uh, our our heroes take off. They head back towards the rip in time, and right before they go through the portal again, uh, Dean Stockwell stops them, tells them to turn around, and they they all sort of realize that the reason that none of them disappeared the first time they went through the rip was because they were all asleep, and you know going through the rip now ev- with everybody awake would kill everyone. So they uh, lower the cabin pressure. So everybody passes out except for uh, Nick, who, you know, he he waits until the last uh, second and then he like, you know, whatever, flips a switch to raise the air pressure back to where it should be. So everybody wakes back up Um, in this version. um, They're heading towards the the rip in time. And, uh, you know, Dean Stockwell is in the back and he's trying to. He's like, something is just not right, right? You know, like something isn't, you know, something's like on the tip of my tongue and I can't get to it, whatever. And then he, then he realizes what it is. And just as he realizes, um, they, they pass through, he tries to stop them. They try and turn, but it's too late. And they pass through the, you know, the, the rip in time. And after that, it's just this silence as we just see the plane flying and we know that nobody is in it. Like it's just an empty aircraft now. And it just, we see it like descend a little bit and then it just like freeze frames. And then we go to credits. Right. Yeah. Um, pretty like dark ending, right? Very dark, very super dark. dark ending. But pretty good yeah absolutely (laughs) pretty fucking good i mean this sort of like i don't know there's i think even thematically like i know in a literal sense like these characters all die but if you think about how they're coming into this situation like everybody's just had something traumatic happen to them or like they're about to right like the one girl's going to try to get clean right yeah yep. we have like all this kinds of stuff like david morse's ex-wife just died or whatever right but they and don't address that at all in this yeah no like, not with not even david morse i thought he got his thing at least i don't i don't think he got his yeah. i don't think they they went the dead wife route i think okay. he was just like I, I, they make mention of him like uh dead heading it back to boston okay um and that was it never mind then I was going to say something about how, like, those versions of yourself, man, time has devoured them. Cause oh, well, 
it has it all it has, like yeah e- even it's without, just also diver- devoured every possible future version of them <laughs> right which yeah. also i mean you know <laughs> us listening back to that episode um <laughs> you know going back in time to listen to our younger dumber selves <sighs> yeah wow. right uh just time uh just changes you completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right. I would say my head's been ripped in half like a piece of paper over oh. and over again. Yeah, several times. In the past seven years? Oh, buddy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, nah, uh, yeah. Uh, just, I, I don't know. I, I'm just so impressed with the <laughs> this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's such like a... Such a special, not to I, like little thing. It's like a special little curio. It's yeah, such a cool idea and such a such an unexpected thing to have happened. Like I, I am. I think it's incredible to watch the Langoliers parentheses nineteen ninety five, and and be like, I know how to fix that. And this right. is and this is how you know how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, I know we're I know we're jumping around a lot, but uh, now the, the the way that the Langoliers actually uh, devour Toomey, right? Yeah. So they they chase him down the runway, and he falls over, and there two of them are just sort of like you know hovering over him, and he's screaming whatever, and then they start. Like it looks like his body is being like sort of sucked into this like sharp, jagged void, mm-hmm. right? And then the more like the the negative space, the white space just sort of closes in around him. And then the last thing you see is his mouth like screaming, yeah, uh, before that gets like swallowed up too. Uh, really like, uh, that I mean, that's fucking horror, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's very troubling. <laughs> you know, that, like there's nothing in the original Langoliers that uh, even comes close to that level of like, uh, you know, fucking like that level of horror, that like cosmic horror. You know, what I do think is interesting is like. I remember seeing this on TV when I was like a kid, like yeah. a kid kid. Yes. And being it, the, the only part I saw was this ending where he gets devoured. <laughs> yeah. And I found it very upsetting and sure. you know, like it, it was, it was a different time. No, I didn't realize <laughs> like, you know, like, you don't clock how bad the CGI is in like 1997 yeah, like or whatever. You were five years old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It could have been, you know, lots of shit could have <laughs> fucking scared you. Right. Um, famously, I had a full breakdown when I saw Chucky for the first time. Oh, well, the killer yeah. doll. But <laughs> what, I, what I was going to say is like this kind of like this, this kind of got me back there. That like. It, sure. The just terror of this like unknown, unknowable thing. That that's right? the fuck right. Like and that's what he really nails is yeah. that that horror of not knowing what's going on. Even in the original Langoliers, whatever, Toomey keeps talking about it 
and they see it and like we said it it's like they're like meatballs with teeth that really undercuts any sort of horror that could possibly come out of this yeah and yeah the yeah the way that he does it here it just fucking really fucking cranks it up yes and there is something about the way he yells, which I think doesn't <laughs> work in the original and does sure. work in this for some reason. I think, <laughs> I think because it's like, yeah, again, it is like this, these monsters are made of the matter that the movie is made of. Right. Right. They're made of the paper, like the absence of the paper that like suddenly what seems like, you know, his scream is just kind of like, it's flat. It's not really blood curdling. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's like perfect clarity, but no texture to it. Yep. Just like, ah, um, <laughs> and there's just like when they're, when the monsters, the way they're shown is like actually kind of unfathomable, then like that becomes just like, oh yeah, what the fuck? How would you act? Right. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Really, really good stuff. Um, We're never going to have it this good again. You know that, right? I know. I know. Like, to, to be able to tell a story in such a uh, artistic way. Yeah. In, you know, it's in this, like, poetic sort of way that makes you think uh, more about the Langoliers. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, about, like, it's you know in in like it it just makes you think about the nature of time in a way that isn't just how long has this thing been yeah. on <laughs> right where you're not checking your watch the whole time oh jeez yeah the nature of time is that it doesn't move fast enough okay <laughs> yeah um uh, and yeah, yeah and just like the idea of like uh, you know, there's just, again, like so much more thematic clarity around the idea that like this guy who lives in a prison of the past is eventually consumed by it. And Ooh. all there's like and there's nothing there's nothing at the center of that. Like mm-hmm. you can just like tear that paper and then all you have left are shreds of paper. It's just right. like it makes that metaphor makes so much more sense and like mm-hmm. the the sort of like the the destructive sort of like pleasure he gets out of that yeah it because like it puts the self-destructiveness of it into better focus it like i mean it literalizes it it's it, right right it's very cool it's very cool i i forget where i actually got a copy of this i want to say it was on vimeo yeah um, yeah, how did yeah. you find out about this? Because Lord knows I'd never heard of it. You know, I think, uh, I don't know if it was like an article or if it was just like a list of like Stephen King adaptations or something. And yeah, it, Timekeepers of Eternity, which sounds like just the title alone, it's like, well, that piques my interest. What, yeah. what are we talking about here? And yeah, and then seeing that it's like this weird sort of re edit of the Langoliers. And people were like really positive on it. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Well, this seems like it's worth talking about. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would encourage anybody to uh, try seek and seek it out. Yeah. Track this down. 
And, uh, you know, maybe if uh, you contact us at uh, kingmepod at gmail.com. Here's what I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) If you know someone who has a copy of this, Mm. just shoot them an email. And maybe, you know, if you ask nicely, maybe they'll send it to you. Hey. All right. Yeah. Um, the IMDb trivia on this is clearly AI generated and uh, pretty funny. Did you I also know. look at it? Of course. Yeah. It, we, go ahead. Go ahead. Is it. this uh, is this my favorite segment? Was it in the interest of time? Well, yep. they changed it from interesting to helpful. So, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Did you find this interesting? No, no. Ugh. But I found it very helpful. Yeah. Uh, Taught me, yeah, it helped me understand that I need to go somewhere else for my trivia. But yeah, three facts I'd like to read and share with everyone and all of them. This film was created by laboriously printing the frames from the 1995 miniseries The Langoliers and re editing and combining them using paper collage techniques and animation. Huh. I didn't know. That's also that's helpful. Of all the words to put laboriously in front of, I think printing is probably the easiest part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another right. another fun fact is that Kate Maberly, uh, who plays that's Laurel. No? I think so. Kate Maberly, who play will say plays Laurel. No, oh. no, it's not. I'm sorry. Oh, that's Dinah. Okay, Dinah. So Kate Maberly and Dean Stockwell previously co-starred together in The Langoliers. <laughs> and hey, did you know that this is Dean Stockwell's final film? <laughs> because it's a reproduction of a film he started in 1995 that was released, yeah, what, what, five years after he died or something? When he died? Maybe more uh, recently. He di- oh, he died in 2020. Oh, wow, okay. So right, right around... Uh, hey, this this may have been the thing that killed him. We don't know. <laughs> you think he like his spirit was trapped in the Langoliers, and when a picture of him was ripped in half, it did him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like a yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it has something to do with this movie. Um, <laughs> but by that rationale, we could take um, I don't know any movie, re-edit it, and then oh the final film of who the fuck ever of river phoenix's last film and hey isn't that also the promise of ai (laughs) that we'll just do that forever yeah um so uh on that topic for just a second um there's this really weird movie from like 10 years ago it's called the congress Mm -hmm. and it stars um robin wright uh, Harvey Keitel Robin is in Wright, it. Robin Wright. Oh, you mean Robin Wright Penn? Uh, no, I mean Robin Wright after she dumped that mm. bozo. <laughs> Fucking can't That actually is. Ben. I didn't know they got divorced. That's good news. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Sean Penn, uh, I don't care how many people he saves in from a flood or whatever yeah. the fuck he's doing. He's a he's, villain. He's a bad uh, guy. He's like a bad man. Yeah. He's a uh, yeah. I mean, he's the. I would call him the evil Bono of acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I encourage anybody uh, to look up um, Sean Penn and Madonna's relationship from the early '90s and how god awful uh, he was and how he kidnapped her basically. Jesus. Um. 
Sean Penn. Oh, Robin Wright. Uh, so the Congress is. Um, so she plays herself, um, an actress who you know this. It's set in the future, but she's like um, she's not working as much anymore. Um, she needs to get money, so she uh, she agrees. She signs over her likeness rights to this production company, right? And they they put <clears throat> they put her in this big machine that like scans her body full you know so they can use her in you know movies going forward the same thing that people are striking about right now interesting <laughs> and and then the second half is all of these people that have um it, it's almost like a matrix thing where they or um what's the ready player one where they like choose to be part of this like vr thing because the the real world is so terrible and everybody who's in this VR, they could be whoever they want. And a lot of people are just like cartoon characters running around. And like, it's very, you know, silly yeah. or whatever. But I don't know. It's a it's a weird, interesting movie. And yeah, uh, seeing, just having seen that movie and then like how that's basically where we're heading right now. is Yeah, just, that's fascinating. I had no idea this movie existed. Um, yeah, it's... It's a weird, it, it has to, like, there are people, like I said, like, Harvey Keitel is in this fucking movie. Yeah. You gotta, you uh, gotta imagine, like, when this come out? 2013? Uh, yeah. They must have been talking about this for so long before it became an actual issue. Uh, they had to, yeah. Who, uh, Paul Giamatti, John Hamm, Danny Houston, fucking people yeah. in this. Goddamn. Maybe we should do yeah, an episode man. about that. We, yeah, maybe on our bonus feed. What? Where could you? If you where could anyone hear a bonus feed for a podcast? You would have to. <laughs> wait a <laughs> second. <laughs> uh, you would have to go to Patreon.com/slash/KingMePod and sign up for the five dollars tier, and you you would have access to all kinds of bonus content. Oh, uh, dozens and dozens of 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 episodes that we've released about various King things, some short stories, mm. some novels, hey. some, some Stephen King inspired cookbook recipes. Uh, but <laughs> also right. you'd have access to our bonus show where we do a lot of genre stuff, a lot of different horror stuff. We did a, 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 a whole little thing about midnight mass, which was, a delight oh, yeah, for us. So if you're a flan head like us, you might. Yeah, I can't wait for whatever he does this year. I feel like uh, I think he's he he moved away from Netflix. I think he's over at Amazon and he's doing some sort of a uh, like a mini series over there for this October. I Thank believe. God. Yeah. Um, just kidding. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It yeah, doesn't matter at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, tons of cool stuff there. Tons of cool stuff uh, to come. What were you going to say? I, I think that's part of the uh, uh, the difference between us now versus when we did the Langleyers is uh, who cares? <laughs> kind of who cares. <laughs> yeah. Kind of who cares. I mean, we, we appreciate everything, of course, but also... Yeah. I clearly on that episode also had just learned the term COINTELPRO because I didn't use it right. I thought that was very charming, <laughs> but I did know what a cuck was. Well, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> know thyself, right? 
Um, yeah, so <laughs> patreon.com slash kingmepod. Get all that. Some some good stuff coming up. Also, if you subscribe, uh, you, you can request a bonus episode on the movie of your choosing. You just got to let us know. We have a couple people to follow yeah. up with, eh? Um, yeah. Uh, did you did you mention the free trial? I was about to. Oh, okay. No, you go ahead. I stepped on you your go toes. Ahead. They'd ra- they'd no, rather I, hear I, it from you. I'd rather them hear I it just, from you. <laughs> I just think they would be interested in knowing that if they signed up for the seven day free trial, they could uh, you know they could listen to anything in the back catalog. Mm. Hundreds probably of episodes of us Hundreds. just going off on. Fucking uh, John Carpenter hundreds. movies. There's only like yeah, I feel like there's only like 120 episodes of this, isn't there? Yeah, but then we start doubling up. Yeah, and, who know. who can say? You get a there's a lot yeah. there. There's a lot there, man. Um, we're not. I don't think we should do uh, like segments for this necessarily. Like it doesn't really make sense to do. Oh, that hurts my parts because we've talked about the Langoliers mm-hmm. already. You know. Um, but I think we should maybe do IMDb. I agree. I am agree. So, <laughs> so this is IMDb. They just cheated us. This isn't fair. IMDb, where we compare. Oh, were you going to say it? Try it. No, 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 no. Do you no. know it? Uh, do you know it by heart? I don't. <laughs> Uh, I am DB, where we compare our uh, score. No, I don't you're, got it. <laughs> you're you're faking. You're you're making me feel valuable, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> no, I re- I cannot. Good, good. No, Go come on. on. Any halfwit could remember a single sentence that he's heard uh, uh, hundreds of times by your own estimation. Sure. Right. So go ahead and say no. <laughs> IMDb, where we compare our opinion of the movie against the weighted average user score on IMDb.com. 219 half wits logged on to IMDb <laughs> and awarded uh, the Timekeepers of Eternity a 6.9 out of 10 stars. Bobby? Not a bad score, but too low for me. I'm giving this a solid eight. I agree. I, you know, it's like, I think it's part of its appeal is like in relation to the original, right? So it's like, as sure. a standalone thing, would I feel differently about it? I'm certain I would. Sure. But it's also like a, a feast or famine kind of thing when you're, when you, when you get served up something like this that like, you could tell somebody put so much time and effort and, you know, thought into versus, you know, whatever bullshit we're going to be doing in two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Us particularly, it's like, we've been subsisting on, on like, you know, I don't know, a grain of Doritos. We've been, we've been hobo style cutting a bean in half for the past like year of our lives. And then we get this like genuinely interesting, beautiful, uh, compelling piece of work. Of course, we're of course we're giving it an eight. Would you um, would you be interested in knowing the letterboxed score? It's only based on three yeah. ratings, and maybe there's a, oh. a way to name this. Oh, is it only three yeah. ratings? Wow. Um, I think. Oh no no no! What? How do you use this thing? <laughs> 
<laughs> what the hell? Hey, wait. No, there are a lot more than three. Three fans. I, I didn't realize that was the, a different oh, okay. feature. I'm not really on here. Um, right. I don't know how many reviews there are, but they awarded mm-hmm. it a score of 3.7 out of 5, which I suppose if you double it is a 7 point... Hmm. Would you say it's 3.7? Uh, 7.4. 7.4, I said it first. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners will know I said it first. Um, that feels, you know, obviously that feels closer based on what we just said. I think I think, the, yeah. I think these letterbox nerds, they get it a little more. Yeah, I think than so, the too. the IMDb plebs. Should we... We were talking about it. Should we just switch over to Letterboxd? Like, we were talking about how bad the old episode was, and we're still doing segments from the old episode. Is it... Was it time we just made the jump? Made the leap? Yeah, and maybe wow. I could have a theme song for this one, too, where it's like, Letterboxd! You know, like that song, it's like Letter Cry or whatever it is. I would have to yeah, hear yeah. the Hootie, Hootie and the Blow. And the Blow. Yeah, I would have to learn it, hear it and learn it. Yeah, but yeah. we could do something with that. Yeah, maybe we could do something with that. Okay, I'll get to work on. Yeah, yeah. I have to mentally uh, adjust my myself to to the idea of that. But I'm not against it. I just have to reconfigure my, my OCD-ish brain. Yeah, well... It's going to be as I think it's going to take me some time too cuz I just went to Google Hootie and the Blowfish letterboxed to learn more about this song. <laughs> so <laughs> All right, so yeah. we we're, we got our work cut out for us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we we have to do some personal work to, in order for to shift from IMDb to letterboxed. I would also say if you like this idea one way or the other. Let let her out. know. And her is us. That's right. Um, all right. Yeah, I guess that. I mean, that brings us to our, our final segment. Mm-hmm. Right? Shows, Shows over. Shows over. Well, it's been real, Rob. I guess we should have waited till now to do the Patreon stuff and all that. But anyway, nah, thanks. Nah, yeah, thanks for listening. Patreon.com slash pop for more stuff. Rate and review us. Five stars. Yeah. Wherever you listen. Yeah, if uh, uh, if you join the Patreon right now, we're in the middle of doing like a, a little William Friedkin mm. series. We just uh, last week we did To Live and Die in L.A. Loved it, loved so it so much. And then I think next week we're we're doing cruising. I believe so. Right? Yeah. So we're gonna do that. Um, we're, we're going to knock out a couple of those, uh, the classic Friedkins. Um, also, I will say, if you're going to rate and review us, um, please do so as Stephen King and note in the review that we've apologized for not being better at this show in the past. Yeah, try and base it on some of the later episodes <laughs> and not the earlier yeah, ones. Tell, you know, if you feel like there's a spot where we really hit our stride, tell people that that's where the show really starts. Uh, don't waste your time on anything before that. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and, uh, should we, no, Tuesday? Should we talk about Tuesday's episode? I know. I mean, this, it's, so we, we talk a lot about Stephen King here, right? We do a lot of that stuff. Due to the nature. And then on the bonus show, Tuesdays is usually some sort of a King thing. 
like Dan said, we're reading books, we're we're cooking stuff, we're cooking books, whatever. <laughs> we are uh, cooking books. <laughs> we're cooking the books, baby. Um, no, but this Tuesday, we're doing. Uh, we're we're gonna be we're watching Twin Peaks. We're gonna watch Twin. We're Peaks. gonna watch. Yeah. So Dan has never seen the show. I have watched the show all the way through once. So I am by no means an expert. Um, but I I'm we're uh yeah we're gonna do like a twin peaks tuesday thing sort of moving yeah. forward you know probably jump in you know mix it up a little bit maybe you know if we find another stephen king short film to do uh you know whatever but we're gonna, notice we're notice do... he's not saying read another book i'm not <laughs> saying read another book maybe if there's like a really good short mini like a really series good short book <laughs> A really yeah. short book we could do, yeah, yeah, really a novella, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna so, take Twin Peaks out for a spin. Yeah, we're gonna have a slice of cherry pie and a hot cup of coffee. I am not looking forward to seeing that creep Bob. Let me tell you, I oh, hate boy. that guy. <laughs> that uh, guy, it's no good. He's a bad guy. All right. <laughs> well, we will we will see on yep. Tuesday over in the great town of. Lumberton? Where's that show set? Twin Peaks. <laughs> Never mind. I was thinking of uh whatever it's called in Blue Velvet, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway. Until next week, of course, right. I am Dan. I am Rob. Uh Gagliardi. <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> that didn't go as I'd hoped. Stephen King. <laughs>